This episode of RFK Refugees is brought to you by our supporters on Patreon. If you'd like to ensure that there are future episodes and help this show grow, visit patreon.com slash rfkrefugees. That's patreon.com slash rfkrefugees. Enjoy the show. All right. <laughs> Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, RFK Refugees on podcast, po- RFK Refugees podcast. If you guys are listening on YouTube, this is the first time you're hearing this. If you're listening on Periscope, you're getting a second Take two, baby. Take second, two. Second introduction. This is what you get when you're running a show um, on the fly. Maybe we didn't give ourselves enough prep time. I was trying a new thing to try to make sure we didn't create two YouTube events and forgot to, I didn't know I actually had to hit the start stream button on the YouTube channel. So that's my fault, my mistake, but uh, we're back. We're back. John, how are you doing, my friend? I'm great. I, I feel like I've learned a lot about technology and the internet in the last seven minutes. <laughs> so I feel refreshed and ready to, ready to podcast. Yeah, ready to podcast. All right, let's let's jump right into it. Um, I, I think actually I'm going to switch gears a little bit um, because you you actually had the benefit of going to the Meet the Team event. And I did. I wonder if before we get into the news about uh, Emil Sai, which we started to talk about, which was the first thing on my mind. But before we get into that, John, I wanted to get your what are your, what were your thoughts of the um, of the event itself? How was it? Was it enjoyable? Yeah. Uh, so uh, this was my first meet the team day at Audi Field. I used to go to them a lot at RFK, uh, and then there was a long period of which I was not a season ticket holder either because I moved or because I just didn't want to do it. Uh, so this was the first one I got to do at Audi Field, and uh, I wanted to get as as you as listeners will ha- will have heard, I wanted to get Wayne Rooney to sign my jersey that was too small that couldn't fit my body. Um, so that was my main that was my main concern. And I walked in, I walked to the line uh, outside the stadium, and it was like they only had one gate open at ten o'clock when the doors and the line was out past like the crossing guard area uh, when you get when you get there on South Capitol. I was like, well, that's not great. That's a bad sign. <laughs> uh, and then on the way in, we got a direct we got a DM from one of our listeners who gave me his his fast pass, uh, which was very cool. And I want to make sure that I give him credit. I want to make sure, I think it's is it give me my footy. Does that sound right to you? That sounds about I want right. to make sure I'm getting his name. Uh, yeah. At give me my footy. Uh, he made this thing happen uh, because if not, if I were like everyone else that stood in that long giant line and didn't get in because the line was ridiculously long, I would have been pretty salty. And also, I would have agreed a lot more with the general pervasive wisdom that fast passes are bad and they shouldn't do them if I hadn't gotten one. Yes. <laughs> However, I I happened to receive one, you know, the spoils of victory uh, as, a, as a DC United podcaster. Um, it was so this is the way it worked. You got in. The line to get to see Wayne, he was in the Heineken bar, and the line was wrapped like a giant snake at 10.05, right as soon as they opened the door, like a big giant snake all the way under the concourse on the east side. Are you telling Um, me Wayne Rooney is some big superstar player that I should be paying attention to? It appears that people (laughs) tend to want to meet him uh, or at least get autographs. There were people, I saw James Lambert show up with a giant Tupperware full of things to sign. I saw Matt Matai show up with like 11 shirts like in bags to sign i was like there's no there's no way he gets all the i understand these are dc united le- like fan legends or you know whatever else they like but there's no way they get they didn't 
everybody got one thing signed <laughs> at most they got two but anyway i got to meet wayne uh really quickly uh that that basically was me first of all so i think what happened was they were late and what they were doing was signing for vips in the locker room uh before they met everybody else i saw that in pictures later they were doing like they were meeting kids in the locker room they had little gift bags they were signing cool whatever fine uh so they get there a little bit late wayne walks across the field from the locker room with a cop escort and like 30 people and like a phalanx formation like he's the president and the man it looked like a perp walk this he was like i cannot believe i have to do this for two hours it's gonna <laughs> suck so he he gets there everyone's taking his picture he walks in sits down uh i think his agent was there i think if i remember the, a familiar face uh i get in he's a small dude he's not big uh he's very quiet my wife was was blown away how like sort of meek he sounded he's like hey i'm not gonna do a liverpudlian accent but it's like hey thank you for coming thanks yeah uh and he signed my jersey uh, I got a picture with him. He was not going to stand. Clearly, that would have been a ridiculous thing. <laughs> so there's a picture of me, like, sort of, like, <laughs> squatted in front of the table and him just sitting there looking like he's about two inches tall because of for- forced perspective of, of, of how photography works. So that's a cool picture. I'm not going to get that one printed out. I don't think that one's going to go on the, the desk. But he was very nice, and yeah. he signed my stuff, and that was that. And he- then I moved on to, to go elsewhere. John, did you give yeah. him an RFK refugee sticker? He signed an RFK refugee. There sticker. you go, boom. So this, the, I, I would, I would bring it over here and show you. So what, what I did was, I got everybody that I met to sign an RFK refugee sticker. Um, well, almost everyone. I'll get to that in a minute. Um, but I, everyone I met, that was what I had them sign. So uh, I've yet to decide what we're going to do with those, but those are going to go to our listeners in some way or some yes. shape or form. So uh, I didn't get to see. I didn't get to the, do the Lucho line. It was Lucho Hara. And uh, TT, they were, the, of course, the Argentinians grouped together. Uh, they, their, their line was, there were three lines that required a fast pass or ha- accepted a fast pass. Wayne, uh, the Argentinian line, and then also Bill and uh, Briant. I think it was Burnbaum, but Burnbaum canceled the morning of, uh, for whatever reason. Uh, and and Briant took I, that spot. I love, I love Briant as a player. I'm sure he's a f- wonderful person, but I don't think, I think DC was like, sure, whatever, fine, yeah. <laughs> you're good yeah somebody had to somebody had to sit in that seat with him it was all about bill <laughs> that was a line i waited in for a little while but yeah uh it's only two hours right like you got you got to move or you got to have a, a a plan where you're spread out yeah and you go to each line and i my wife and i were not going to spread out <laughs> so we we waited in line together and got what we could get yeah uh, so we didn't get bill and we didn't get the argentinian crew uh oh. but so anyway they all have i signed everything ola kamara super nice i talked about it uh he, that man was super cheery. He like found something to talk about with everybody that he met. Like if you were wearing a shirt, he commented on that shirt. If you were, if you had a special thing to sign, he talked about that thing you were signing and he talked about like playing soccer and scoring goals and loving to score at home. Just like really into it. You could tell he was, this is a man that was like, you know, China was not what I was (laughs) hoping for it to be. This is, I, I enjoy speaking the language. I enjoy being a little bit more comfortable. So he had it. He had a good time. Yeah. Uh, I go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I mean, it sounds like a good time you ran. You, uh, I saw you got pictures with um, Ben Olsen, and you also ran into uh, to date the one and only Dave Johnson, which made me very jealous because I have yet to meet Dave Johnson. Yeah, so Ben Olsen is that. a funny story. So I was walking from the Bill Hamid line, sort of realizing that that was not going to happen. And then I saw Ben standing there in the middle of the concourse uh, by the by the Cuban sandwich stand with just a fistful of markers, just him and one him and two guys. And I was like, 
is this an accident? Did he just like walk and not walk and then someone stopped him? And he's like, I guess, I guess I'm online now. So he just started signing for people. Everybody brought their kids over. And uh, so I wait in the line. I'm like, yeah, definitely doing this. And uh, longtime listeners will remember my previous experience with Ben Olsen at Meet the Team Day is for him to yell at me about soccer cards not being real and jersey cards being fake and a fraud and me just being like, (laughs) cool, man. Thanks for that. Appreciate it. Um, So I wait through the line. You know, I, 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 you know, shake his hand, say, uh, you know, nice to meet you or whatever. And uh, I give him a sticker. I give him an RFK refugee sticker and I give him a pennant to sign. And he takes the sticker and he just takes it. He's like, what's this? I was like, oh, this is my podcast. He's like, RFK refugees. And I'm like, yeah, man. He's like, cool. Can I keep this? I was like, sure. <laughs> and then he takes my, and then he takes my pennant and he signs the back of the, the backside of my pennant. I was like, okay, cool, man. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do with this. I'm obviously not going to do anything with this. Uh, but he, he, I, I have been meeting him in one capacity or another now since 2007, 2008. Uh, I said, like I said on Twitter, unfortunately, my, my, uh, my hat where I can be objective about what I want to have him happen at the end of the year. It's sorry, guys. It's off now. I'm, I'm I just got to keep him forever. He's too nice. Uh, like we'll talk about this later, but, uh, the Sebi Salazar interview on mm-hmm. on uh, on Pitch Pass talks about what happens when he goes and what 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 links to this pass does this team have? It's almost like a completely different entity, and that's something that sort of came to me as I was talking to him. Him and Dave Johnson, I was thinking, I was like, when you take those two things away, like it's you're really it's not even the badge anymore. You're like, yeah. well, they're they're still named DC United, and they're still in DC. Those are the things that are true about them still. Yeah, yeah, and and that's that's a big point. As much as I've um, I've sort of not been happy with some of the decisions that Ben Olsen has made. I know there are people out there that don't want Ben Olsen there. I mean, the, the dude once just showed up to like, I, I like, I'll forget like the game, the Philly game where we got absolutely smashed. He showed up to like the bar Brava tailgate and just rolled right in and just like took pictures with everybody was like happy. You know, he clearly only had like maybe like 10 minutes to like do it and he went and did it. So, I mean, it's, uh, it's, he is, he is absolutely a DC legend as a player. I think he still is a still considers that legend status a, a, even as a coach. Um, what he sort of led this team through when they literally could not afford anybody, um, and he won silverware for this team in the Open Cup. It came in a bad season, but he managed to do it. So um, there still is a part of me that that just can't quite get upset at him. Um, that being said, you know, results speak for themselves, and, and we'll see how this team finishes out the season. They've got four games. Wayne's family is now officially settled in the U.K. Um, I'm hopeful that that will kind of sort of that, – that whole situation has been taken care of now. So now he is literally here. He is staying in at probably, like I think, like an apartment for, like, the next – He's two, in D.C., yeah. Yeah, staying, like, in an apartment for the, for the next months. All he has to do is focus on soccer and focus on the team and, and trying to – and trying to make the best of what he has left left with with the team and sort of make up I, I I would be I'm willing to bet he is at least has maybe one ear to the ground uh about what has sort of been said about him there have been a lot of upset fans on Twitter you know he has a Twitter account he was active now he doesn't you know respond the way he used to but <laughs> I think I, his agent runs that now I don't think yeah. I don't think <laughs> That that could be, but good. you know, I I would not surprise me if there were some you know he was getting at least some you know and some idea that maybe fans aren't quite happy with his previous performances and maybe he wants to come in and show no I can still be a force in this league just watch um, so we'll see um, it's going to be an interesting four games coming up uh, tough games on the road against um, 
against uh, Portland, at home against Seattle, on the road against New York. And then they finally finish up the year um, with a, like, completely different type of game where they're playing like basically a USL side and FC Cincinnati at home. So um, right now this team is in fourth place. They have that home game in the playoffs, but it's a real tight uh, squeeze in there. I'm not sure that they're going to hold on to that position there. There's uh, both teams below them have a game in hand. Now it's kind of worked out where they still seem to be in that position. So um, we'll, we'll kind of see what happens, but uh, I guess uh, to close out the year, we we can talk, uh, we can talk 2020, right? We can start talking. Yeah, I just about wanted to, I just wanted to say what Dave Johnson did, which I thought was cool. Okay, go ahead. Sorry, uh, just yes, to finish I that up. Yeah. So uh, I was in the line for Quincy and Griffin. At, there's a last line I stood in that I didn't get thrown out of. Uh, who both of whom said they want to be on the podcast. So look out for that. Also badger them on Twitter if you'd like <laughs> listeners to make sure they come on the show. Yes, please uh, post actually, the link to our we, show when we're live. And like, I just want like Quincy to just like call in, like just to drop in, drop in on the phone, like ran- Quincy randomly. Is biz- Quincy's a businessman now. Yeah, he he, he told me he told me his email to to email to him to actually get him on the show. This is this this requires talking to his people. I think okay. and his people his people might be him, uh, but. There's still people. Yes. Um, so the uh, so Dave Johnson was basically walking through the lines that people were in and just meeting everybody and shaking everybody's hand. And if you asked for a selfie with him, he got a selfie with you for his own phone. And I, I, I loved it. I loved it so <laughs> much like that, that that was what he decided to do because the people were waiting in lines. Everyone was in a, again, putting the Wayne Rooney, putting the Wayne Rooney line aside. Everyone was in a good mood. Like everyone was so happy to meet these players and just in a good positive vibe. And Dave doing that just made it even better. It was just, it was a really good, it was a really good day uh, and morning. And Dave sort of doing that just was the, you know, a super fan friendly thing. Everyone was excited about it. Everyone loves Dave Johnson for a reason because he's the best. Dave, Dave is, he's just such a nice person. You know, he goes out of his way on Twitter to comment everybody. You know, anytime someone's posting about the Wizards, DC United, I mean, I know he, he, he made his name, I guess, as a Wizards radio guy. But for me, I mean, he's, he's always just been a legendary voice. And I mean, if they if they ever get rid of him, which I mean, that that might happen when this league decides, oh, we're going to do this whole, you know, completely new style, you know, where we're going to have all the matches on one on one channel or one broadcast. Dave might end up going away, which would be really, really sad for me because he's always just been kind of there and listening to his games and just the, the passion he brings to the game and just how much he, he's a man of the people when it comes to the fans. He's not somebody who's above who's above the fans, um, who, who's above, you know, who's necessarily above that, uh, you know, where he thinks he's, you know, better than everybody else. And, and he really just loves the, the love he gets. And um, and yeah, it's been it's been uh, it's been really cool. It's really cool to to see him when how much he really cares about and how much he loves DC United. So um, I'm glad you got to meet him. I I really want to meet him at one point. So I'm hopeful that'll happen. He said he listens to the show. Yes, he does. He said he's heard of <laughs> which it is very cool for me. The... That's really cool for me. That that was a personal yeah, moment that made me feel happy. Me too. Yeah, man. <laughs> I took the sticker. Everybody was everybody was really cool and supportive. There were a couple of you who asked me, "Am I the John from the podcast?" Which I got to tell you right now. <laughs> How many episodes are we in? 79? Is that what it is Se- now? Yeah, 78, 78, I think. 78. Buddy, I'll tell you what, that if you ever if you guys want to keep me doing a podcast just for your own edif- and be able to look, just just give me that little bit of 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 uh of feeling. Just like, you know, once every couple of weeks be like, hey, I like that podcast you do. That's all I need. And I got a whole bunch of it. I got a whole bunch of it at Audio Field this weekend. So thank you to those people who came up and made me feel really happy. And thank you for listening to the show. Somebody po- apologize for not being a Patreon subscriber. 
which made me feel like maybe we should stop talking about Patreon on the show because <laughs> I don't want to make people feel bad. Uh, but if you do want to support us, it's patreon.com slash refugees. Yes. Yes, patreon.com slash refugees. Support the show if you if you want. It's great. It's good times. Um, let's uh let's let's shift, let's shift gears a little bit. Let's talk DC United news. Yeah. Um, let's talk Yamil. uh Yamil Assad, uh the the patron son of DC United returning to the team. Um, in 2020. Um, so if you haven't paying attention. He's returning in 2020. Apparently, he's going to play a few games for Loudon United. Which I mean, that kind of made rules. me that rules so much. Yes, that that made me consider the like three hour drive it would take to get me from Richmond to Leesburg, or maybe it's only about a couple hours, but it's like one of those drives that just feels long because you have to drive through a whole like no no interstates. It's all just like back roads to get to Leesburg. Um, yeah. So, but I'm now excited. Like I'm kind of like I kind of looked at the schedule and was like. Is there a game I could conceivably make? Like, I want to wait till he actually makes an appearance because I don't mm-hmm. want to like buy a ticket and set myself. I'm going to go to this game and then show up and he's not there. Um, but that is pretty cool, and I think that's pretty cool for Loud. And I'm, I'll be curious to see if that gets some people out to those games um, as kind of like uh, to getting to see Emil Assad because he is absolutely. I mean, I know he hasn't played in like six months, but once he gets his fitness up, he is absolutely going to wreck USL <laughs> defenders. Like, no, no question, is he going to wreck them? Like it's 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 not even it's going to be a joke in my opinion. Uh, he I think he could conceivably finish with at least like four or five goals before in like the six or seven remaining games they have left. Personally, Tim Tim on Twitter, you've got to be feeling like a million billion dollars. You've got mm-hmm. Yamil Assad back in the fold. You were wondering when would it happen, and the answer is it happened this past week. And he is now living, I believe, uh, in the uh, in the uh, next to the anthem. Down in that area of DC, he posts pictures every day. So, uh, you know, if you're down there by Anthem, just look on the rooftop. Probably a, a dude hanging out at the pool. Probably Emil Assad. And and it's got to you got to it's got to feel good for him that he has a contract now. It's not a loan. He's been on loans now for, and then he's been on a team that clearly didn't want him. I mean, he's been on loan. He was on a loan a year in Atlanta, a loan a year in D.C. D.C. really wanted him. Didn't work out. He's missed a whole year. Now he has basically a two-year contract. Could be a three-year contract easily um, where he has to come back to a league he's comfortable in. Um, I'm I'm excited that he's back. And um, D.C. has a, a front line. I mean, we're all kind of assuming Assad's gone. But, I mean, the front line with Kamara, Assad, and Areola, um, that, I mean, as, as, uh, as Roach has pointed out, I mean, that's a playoff team. That's certainly a playoff team that DC United has right here. It doesn't pack quite the punch with having Wayne Rooney in there, but that's still a very formidable attack that a lot of teams are going to have to contend with. And we've already seen Ola Kamara just step right in and and immediately start to make a difference um, for the team. So um, very very good to see him um, to see him in there uh, and to see him back with the team. So I'm excited for 2020 um, and having him back. And I think that was very much a much needed move to kind of, I guess, calm everybody down a little bit, so to speak. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm happy he's back. It would have been, it would have been awesome if we could have had him for the year uh, as an additive piece instead of sort of a replacement piece uh, for next year. You're right. I think there we've got a strong four forward four i think based on the players that are under contract for next year are likely to be back um but yeah i i'm glad i'm glad he's here i think it will be funny for him to play in loudon i will go see one if he does actually end up playing i think it will be amusing so i i'm always up for amusing things um but i i'm not expecting too much out of him based on the amount of layoff he's had and the way that uh usl can be a little physical so 
I, I if he if he plays six games and doesn't score any goals, like I'm not going to read too much into that. Like the man has been in, in mothballs for mm-hmm. uh, 12 months. It would be cool if he rips him up. That would be very funny and good, particularly because Loudon is having a rough go. Having yeah, a really rough <laughs> go of it right now. Unfortunately, he doesn't play center back, so I don't think he's going to help them too much. But yeah, it's... you want to talk about let's uh, let's talk about good. Well, is there any more about Yamil? Actually, uh. Let's open up the phone lines about Yamil. So if you've got a if you've got a uh, if you've got a comment about Yamil Assad, give us a call. 202-905-0454. Call numbers right there at the top of the screen. You can see it right up there now. So call us cool. in. Call us now. We're gonna move on and keep talking about stuff while we go. Uh, but if yeah. you call, we'll, we'll come because, back and talk about because, Yamil. Because the stuff we want to talk about now is not so great, and that is the U.S. men's national team uh, playing a game against Mexico, a friendly, mind you. Uh, losing three to nothing against uh, against Mexico. Um, John, did you have a chance? Did you watch this game at all? Did you partake? I watched the first half and then I fell asleep because I've gotten very old all of a sudden. <laughs> I've stopped drinking caffeine, so my 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 time to bed is like nine thirty nine forty five. Yeah, I uh, I caught like the tail end of like the second half and stuff like that, and then I kind of watched a little highlights. You know, read a little bit of the of the analysis and. <laughs> Um, I, a lot of people were upset about this game. A lot of people were angry, and I and I understand it. You know, Mexico is the United States' biggest rival. Friendly or not, you never want to watch your team play that poorly, make so many defensive mistakes. The only way I'll play devil's advocate is this: is we have been talking about for years the idea of the U.S. men's national team playing a system that passes out of the back, playing a system where they play possession, they play forward soccer, they play all, all those things that Jurgen Klinsmann talked about in, in when he was hired in 2010 and delivered absolutely nothing on, let's be clear, delivered absolutely nothing with regards to that. All of that, dis, all of that talk, all of that, all of that bluster about this idea. Uh, Greg Berhalter, for better or worse, is at least trying it. And he's at least trying to instill that type of thing. Now, there are general questions about whether the players he have he has out there actually have the skill level to be that type of player. And in my opinion, players like Will Trapp and Giassi Zardes are not those players. They are not. They, it worked. And this is, I think it was Kim McCauley had a great comment. Fantastic, by the way. Sure. Go go read that article. Um, she, she did a really good job at sort of breaking it down. So, um so Kim McCauley uh, wrote a lot about how Will Trapp is not a world-class player. Giassi Zardes is not a world-class player. It, it all talks about, it all breaks down the idea that, uh, that you know, he doesn't necessarily, he isn't putting the players out there. He needs to find new players that are going to be able to do what he wants to do. Um, I don't know. Do you have the general thought on that, John? Or About the players that are being selected to, to yes. play out? Yes. Uh I, I don't uh, I don't know <laughs> I don't have a lot of thoughts on that yeah. I think it, I think this this lineup was about I think that he he believes that these players from from his days in Columbus will give him a consistent performance and he knows what he's going to get out of them and he doesn't have enough hours in with other players to really feel comfortable with uh, other players in that position and there are also some you know defensive midfielder position that's sort of I think there are other players we'd like to see start, but we're not at a full complement there. I think there's still some injuries and there's some players that they couldn't couldn't draw in. Uh, Zardes, however, was Sargent on the bench? Yeah, I believe Sargent Sergeant was on the bench and came on. Okay, then yeah. then absolutely no, <laughs> then then no excuse. Uh, there's an op- there's a potential that he doesn't want to have Sargent get overexposed too soon, um, which is a a thought. You could think that. I mean, he's starting he's starting. I think in 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 the Bundesliga and scoring goals. 
had a really nice so I, goal in the Bundesliga. I don't know if you yeah, saw where he liked to yeah. play. It's, it's, it's very frustrating when you're watching. Every coach has their guys. They're, they're coaches that have their guys. Bob Bradley had Jonathan Bornstein. Everybody hated Jonathan Bornstein. Bob Bradley kept bringing out Jonathan Bornstein. That was kind of the running joke. Uh, you had... You, I, I guess Michael Bradley was Jurgen Klinsmann's guy or Jermaine Jones. I don't know. I, I Jurgen Klinsmann never developed really much of a tactical sense. Landon Donovan certainly was not his guy. He was gonna, he was figuring out a way he could bench Landon Donovan no matter what it took. Um, but all coaches have their guys. But you, you're seeing very, very clearly that Giassi Zardes and Will Trapp are not players who can play at this level. It's so obvious, and he doesn't do it, and that's very worthy of criticism. And there's almost a question of there has to be this idea at some point you're either going to – you're either so rigid in this idea that, the yes, the U.S. can play this – and I could be completely wrong. You know, Jossie's artist could become a World Cup champion. You know, he, he could absolutely start lighting it up uh, maybe, and, and we'll all look like idiots and fools. It doesn't look like it's happening, and it hasn't mm-hmm. happened throughout his career. And, you know, these players are older. These players are, you know, 26, 27, 28. So they're not going to develop really much in, into those types of players in the first place. So, in my opinion, you, you have a young core that you can build off of, a player like Josh Sargent. I mean, what did, what did Josh Sargent think about? He's like, I'm starting in the Bundesliga, and you're going with Giassi Zardes, whose most notable moment so far is scoring a goal off his face. And here I am ripping it up, you know, conceivably for – I score a goal where I literally chest the ball and kick it up over the keeper and score – and you're starting, you know, Jassy Zardes. Uh, it would have to be to, very to be, frustrating. To be fair, Jassy Zardes was on the journey on FIFA 19 <laughs> as a as a scripted oh, actor. Oh, I'm sorry. So talk put talk with some respect on his name. Put some respect on Jassy Zardes' name uh, when you uh, when you mention him. Yeah, I don't know, man. Also, other things about the game that matter. I think seeing Serginho Dest get a little bit torched in his first game. He, he did some good things, some bad things. Our left back, the left back position for the United States continues to be an area of need. If we can retain him, even though he's still young and we don't lose him to the Netherlands, that would be good because we don't have a lot of depth there. I think that uh, he was a little exposed by where uh, Pulisic was playing a couple times. Yeah. So overall, like you said, I think people wanted to get really upset about this. Uh, we're not better than Mexico right now. Mexico yeah. is my, Mexico is better than we are right now. We've got to just. You guys own that uh, in the past and in many, in many years ago, like sort of that was a, that was a toss up and it would depend on the week, how we would go and what, what team we brought in or if they bought their A team in or how, if our guys were up for it. I think now it's, I think it's, they're better than us right now. We've got to get, we've got to get better. And the guys that the young players need to get uh, exposure and opportunity in this space to find out what they're going to be. The, the real, the real final test is going to come once world cup qualifying starts, once their games of actual consequence right now, you know, I, I commend I commend uh, Greg Berhalter for for trying something, something new, something different. Um, but it, at this point, I do not believe I do not believe that he has. Um, I do not believe that necessarily he's on he's on necessarily the right path. It seems like, and so a lot's going to have to change. Either the team gets better, or he has to reverse his tactics. So um, we'll see what happens. I, I don't think he'll go. He go. He will go out the same way against 
Mexico in a final, in a Gold Cup final, that he will right now Mexico in a friendly. He's trying to build some things, and then when you get to the game, okay, maybe you try to incorporate some of those things. So I, I, it's not really a fair litmus test, in my opinion, to get so upset about the scoreline and say, oh, he should be yep. fired for that result. I'm like, no, he should absolutely not be fired for an, basically an exhibition game result. It's like firing an NFL coach in preseason or firing an, you know, an MLS coach in preseason. That's, that's not what you do. You don't fire a coach for bad, friendly results. I'm sorry, you just don't. It's not something you do. Yeah, that would be weird. Um, so we've got two questions in the chat, uh, both of them U.S.-related. Uh, totally not our producer, Brian, says, is the men's national team terrible defense, making Stefan look bad, or is Stefan overhyped? Stefan has like 500,000 saves in five games uh, uh, in, in Germany. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that I think, I think he had one real real screw up in this game uh, that will be sort of over over examined. I, I'm not upset with Stefan uh, in general. I think I think he's a good shot stopper. I think the the ball the ball distribution thing is maybe overrated for him as this has just become a, a meme now for the US. And it's related because the next question says from Jesse says delayed arrival. Did I miss the rant about the injustice of Hamid not being on the men's national team for I can't even summon. I can't even summon the the upset about it anymore. I I hope that like me, Bill is just like, hey man, I went to a fashion show in New York City on Saturday night. That was fine. I don't, I don't have a problem with that. <laughs> this is fine. I have things I can fill my time with. No big deal. Um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm okay with it. I, I'm I'm fine to have him just be a, a DC United player, particularly if Zach Steffen is not. It, I think I don't. I don't think it's. I don't think Zach Steffen is appreciably worse than Bill Hamid. I don't think Bill Hamid is appreciably way better than Zach Steffen. I mean, in my opinion, I mean, it should be a comp. It should be a competition right now between those two. It it is. It right now it's, it's Greg Berhalter's way he wants to play. I think Zach Steffen. I mean, right now Zach Steffen's in in Europe and he's starting for a Bundesliga level side, uh, mm-hmm. and he was signed by Manchester City. Bill Hamid is playing for DC. Bill Hamid is a great, fantastic goalkeeper. I think he's a great goalkeeper. You can't tell me that a player playing in the Bundesliga, starting in the Bundesliga, is is worse than a player playing in MLS right now. And that's that's kind of just the way it is. I think Zach Steffen is a tremendous goalkeeper. I think he's a fantastic goalkeeper. Um, I think he has the potential to be a good goalkeeper. I think right now. There, Greg Berhalter is in these friendlies is trying to get this team to play a different style, and there and when you have a team that has never played that style, I don't think even Zach Steffen plays that style in his club, and that's another argument. You know, can you get a national team? You can do these types of things with like the 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 U.S. Women's National Team because they're contracted under there. That's their primary source. That's the primary place they play. The U.S. Men's National Team. Most coaches try to keep things simple. They don't try to do overly complex tactics. And Greg Berhalter is trying to do overly complex tactics. And we'll see if it works. He, he might usher in a revolution for how to coach a national team. Um, but it's either going to be a revolution or probably a disaster right now is what it's looking like. So we'll- so along those lines, Jesse also said, hot take, Olsen would be a superior men's national team coach due to all of the years having inferior talent against better opponents. Do you agree? I think that is an interesting take. I think there was so much discussion about when Jurgen came along and he said, we're going to play. We're going to play the ball on the ground and we're going to compete and we're going to play soccer. And the whole concept of like American grit and just and just gut it out for 90 minutes and see what happens is gone. We're going to we're going to commit and we're going to compete. And then he issued no tactical decisions and made no tactics and just said, nope, we're just going to play. I'm just going to throw the ball out there and you guys can just play. That's going to be how I get this done. 
I would say that Ben, I would say there's something to that. Although there have been motivational problems with this team this year. Um, these are maybe more talented players than what we're talking about before. But like, if you think about all the early goals that DC United gives up this year, mm-hmm. um, mindset, mindset, not very sharp. So I think, I think in the past, in previous Benny ball years where we were playing with Joseph Nuenya and, you know, just, just the, the dumpster diving and the lost rosters. And we were making, we were getting to the playoffs. I would say there's something to that, <laughs> that, that he's got that grittiness for sure. I, I think he would be able to come up with a simple tactical plan that would work more than it wouldn't work. And that's kind of what we've seen with, you know, and, and to be fair, I mean, most of the time when they're playing competitive matches, they're playing inferior opponents. Let's be clear. They're playing they you know, they play the Mexico, they play me- the Mexico's of the world, you know, and in friendlies, but we're talking about like competitive matches. I mean, Mexico is the only time they ever really play a team that's really com- that they're competitive with. The rest, and maybe you can make an argument right now, probably for Costa Rica as well. Uh, but I mean, the Panamas, the Trinidad and Tobagos, the the, the Bermudas, the the Saint Vincent and the Grenadines of the world. Uh, I mean, they're usually playing better teams, so I think it would work pretty well. Um, for Ben Olsen because I think he he is a very he's not a guy who builds a complex system he has very simple tactics and very simple roles um, that he gives players he's not a guy who's gonna to be overly you know you know in the in the film shop drawing up you know expert tactical plays like it's not it's not how he works so it could be really successful in a, in a national team system where you're only seeing these guys you know two three weeks out of the year so you know you're not uh, two three weeks in a month maybe if that um so you're not going to see have much time to really work with some of these guys and so you need simple ideas and simple tactics we saw what he did with the with the all-star team where he took a bunch of guys who had never played together and actually i think they beat chelsea in that game and that's because he drew up a pretty simple tactical plan. He did not overcomplicate it. So that's just that's my that's my two cents on that. Uh, Jesse would like to know if he could. Uh, I think this is for you. If he can contribute to the Patreon to get some paint on your walls behind you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm renting right now, so I mean, there's going to be no paint that goes on these walls. Once once I own a house here, hopefully next year, then I will. If you want. If you want to pay for a large wall hanging, however, that he could put on with 3M strips, yes, I think we could probably, I think we probably accept that. Yep, I think we could. Some, some other, some other uh, MLS news. I, I'm wearing in honor of Sacramento Republic, uh, rumored to be actually getting a team. They're going to be, I believe, the 20, 29th team or 37th team or 337th team. I'm not really sure. Uh, they'll be coming in in 2022, apparently. Yes, uh, it's great news for. For people in Northern California, the the new Derby, well, I guess will be. I'm gonna say Derby because I'm not I'm not in England. The new uh, the new uh, local rivalry will be against San Jose because it's only a couple hours a couple couple hours away. Uh, someone said it should be called El Trafico too because that corridor also has a lot of traffic. Um, but happy for them. I think there are, I think there's one more team coming in, and the rumor that people are saying is potentially it's gonna be Charlotte. Interesting. Have you heard that? I I hadn't heard that. I hadn't heard that. But that would be an interesting. Be a potential new rivalry for DC. Could be honest, the DC sort of North Carolina rivalry. Um, but uh, I think good, good for Sacramento. They they they've been that one team that has just kind of done everything right, and they they you know had the fans, they had everything, they got the stadium deal done. Um, I'm just wondering if John's going to start like Papa Murphy's Park Refugees podcast. Oh like yes, <laughs> I might. I've got some friends out there. I think that's a good I, the spinoff is what I've been looking for. So, I mean, I guess Papa the. Mur- the Sorry, the question becomes, I guess, for Sacramento is they've got San Jose, I guess, as their more local rivalry. 
the, their big rivalry was with LA. So I'm, I'm very curious to see whether that, because that, that rivalry is sort of akin to what's been happening to the DC United um, New York Red Bulls rivalry. And that it's just kind of like dissipated as LAFC has sort of taken center stage. You know, you've got other teams that have kind of like taken up, you know, uh, with competitive matches. Now you got Sacramento and that's going to be a little bit more of a closer rivalry. Probably those teams are probably going to be pretty comparable when it comes to spending. I don't think those two are going to spend at the levels that LA, the LA galaxy and, and LAFC and also the market, you know, plays a role in that as well, but they will not spend. They yeah. will not, they will, they will not, they will not spend. They have a new billionaire owner, but I think it is, it is a nominal ownership similar to Eric Tohir. Yeah. I think he was a owner on paper to get this, get the, get everything signed. They're going to pay for the stadium all of themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, city is so basically right now what they're going to you know i'm sure our listeners are very intrigued about this but since i know about it i'm going to tell you about it uh the sacramento stadium is being built on what is basically a defunct rail yards area that is used to be i think a super fun site so it's not used for anything else right now they've 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 made it flat they've knocked down everything they're going to build a giant medical facility and then build this very cool looking stadium renderings you know may vary (laughs) I think that we've seen that now with Audi Field in almost every other place that the renderings are not necessarily what we finally get. Uh, but they're going to build the stadium, and they said that it's, they'll have a shovel on the ground as soon as the announcement goes. They've been ready to do this now for four years. Uh, so I think I'm still actually on a list for season ticket deposits for MLS, so I might actually get a phone call. Not going to buy them. <laughs> probably not going to get it, but uh, I at what? least will appreciate the call. You're talking about like you know, 15 cross country flights are not in your in your budget. What what kind of person are you? It depends on work. You know, maybe <laughs> maybe if I can find some sort of bi coastal work situation, I will I will do it. But I think for now, one season ticket is probably yes. probably sufficient. Uh, call the podcast by the way, 202-905-0454. Call in. We got some other comments here on yes. the chat. Read the read the uh, read chat comments. Yep, Gregory says, "How many teams in MLS? How many teams is MLS going to add before it gets too ridiculous? And do they care?" It's a good question. Uh, the 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 buy-in keeps going up. Uh, it was two hundred million dollars for Sacramento. Two hundred million dollars uh, just to get in, just to just to get to be on the schedule, get your little your little widget on the top of that website. So there, um, I mean, there is there, there is there is going to be a stopping point. There has to be a stopping point. But when you have as as many markets as you as you as many when you have all these markets sort of clamoring to get in. You have lower league soccer that's that's growing as 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 these teams are trying to get in as well, which is helping out you know your lower divisions. When you when when you have all that, when you have an international, everybody talks about you know oh the depreciating you know talent and you know oh it, it makes the league worse when you have more teams. It, that works in other leagues like NFL, MLB, NHL when they expand you know the, the because there's a very very small market. But the thing about the thing about you know soccer is there's a worldwide market. I mean there are there are so many infinitely more pl- many players in soccer than there are in other sports, and I think that's that's to that's to MLS's benefit. So they can keep expanding and they can keep getting bigger. And there's always going to be you know good talent coming out of South America. There's always going to be good talent you can find in Europe. There's always going to be good talent you can get in Africa, even Asia, places like that. So there, there's plenty of talent out there that, that you can bring into to MLS. And you know you're going to get some Samuel Incums and you're going to get some um, some Joseph Martinez's. So that's kind of the nature about about how it works. Um, so landlords beware. <laughs> Depending so, on how, I mean, and so the, I I really don't think there's a necessarily a cap for the league 
to grow. I think eventually it will stop. It, it is going to have to stop at some point. But I don't think right now you can evidently say, I mean, they might go to 32, 34, 35 teams. Um, I think right now they're probably trying to get to 30 and they're going to kind of reassess. Um, but I mean, when you have a growing league like this, I mean, why, why would you stop when there's so much demand to get in the league? Here's a question for you. Say they have 30 teams and they will someday. How many of those teams do you think will be trying to actively win the championship at any given time? with the required amount of uh, financial commitment and aspirations. How many do you think will really be going for it? I mean, so you, you, you still have a salary cap. You still have, you still have it for now, for now. Correct. But I, I don't think that is, that part is going away. I don't, unless they completely open up the leagues and and go promotion relegation. (laughs) Don't say it. Oh man. Oh man. At this point, I mean, come on, if you want to call in and argue promotion relegation, call right in. No, no, no. Yes. Call right in. We will not be taking those calls. (laughs) We will be taking those calls. I'm taking those calls. I'm ready. (laughs) Um, But, uh, but I, I think the salary cap has to go up soon. I mean, right now it's still laughably low. So I think that's going to go up. I mean, I think you're going to have similar, you're going to have teams that are going to know that they can't compete with the likes of LAFC or the likes of, of Atlanta. But I mean, look, some teams have still managed to find, find ways to be successful. Look at, look at the project that Philadelphia went under where they completely rebuilt their roster and they, and they completely remade it and became very successful. Now they are, battling at the top of the East when no one really thought that was going to happen. And they signed a guy, a big player like Marco Fabian, but a lot of that build has been, he's really been kind of like an ancillary piece uh, to that team. And that team is built on a very strong youth development system and built and bringing up players. And they suffered some bad seasons and, and people didn't show up, but that is the nature of what it is. And with the playoffs are kind of the great equalizer right now with sort of one, one, one game and you move on. It's the same in football as well. You have teams that you know go in, limp into the playoffs and then just have to win a few games to win the Super Bowl. So I, you're going to see a preference of dominant teams, teams like LAFC, LA Galaxy, uh, New York City FC once they get their stadium situation figured out. Um, even New England Revolution could be that with Robert Kraft. And uh, certainly, um, uh, certainly Atlanta United <laughs> are in that category. You have dominant teams in the NFL, NBA, and and in other leagues as well, you still have stories like Toronto Raptors winning the NBA championship in, in 2008. That was a long rebuild they took. So I, I still think that you're going to have parity. You're still going to have um, open. You're still going to have some, some weird things that are going to happen. Teams are going to go on runs. Um, I, I just don't, I think you are going to have an established top tier, which you have in every sports league. And, and those, you know, those, the, the, the Patriots, as much as everybody hates the Patriots, they win championships. They put together this unbelievable, like decade-long, just great team, and that has won, you know, six Super Bowl titles when they had won zero, you know, the previous, you know, decades. So, I mean, it's it's all about it's it's what American sports are, and in my opinion, it's it MLS can still achieve that while having still teams that are that are good and, and that having teams spend money and they're going to be teams that are going to do it other ways that are going to win. They might not win as much, but they're still going to have moments or they have cycles where they get where they get really good. So, that's my two cents on that. Yeah, I, I wish that if we're going to have that many teams, you would have more of them be Atlanta like. Uh, now, not every stadium, not every market's going to support a seventy five thousand seater, um, but. 
there's still room in there to be engaged. Particularly if you're going to spend $200 million to get into a league, you're going to spend $300 million to build a stadium. Don't, don't just coast on the fact that now you're on the league and don't bring a whole bunch of your USL players up Sacramento. I'm, lo- I'm looking at you yeah. right now. <laughs> if you, if you do this, if you, if you come up and you're bringing three to three to four to five of your players from your, don't do it. You're not, you're not lighting USL up anymore. You're, you're in the middle of the pack. You need to replace that roster entirely. If you want to be competitive, yeah. maybe one or maybe one player who plays on the bench. Anyway, I just want to say congrats to those, those, those people have been waiting quite a while and yes. they have been jerked around by this league like no other fan base i've seen so far um so i'm happy for, happy for them um a couple more comments here from the chat uh jesse says that baltimore should get a team i think that would be cool from the perspective of having a nice local rivalry uh for those you know for anybody that's a shorter time fan than than me you will maybe not know that uh we almost moved there. Yeah. Baltimore almost happened. There was a stadium study. It was definitely on the cards that if they couldn't find a stadium in DC, St. Louis or Baltimore could have been an option where they were going to land. And there were some people who some Marylanders were like, cool, great. That's a shorter drive for me. Uh, and then everyone else here in DC was like, nah, that's going to be it for um, That's going to be it for yeah. me. I'm yeah. going to be a Richmond kickers fan. I guess that's all. That's all she wrote. <laughs> yeah. I don't I guess if they move, I, I, that's sort of like some alternate history. Like if you we wanted to play, like what would what would have happened if DC had moved to Baltimore? Like what would have happened, like ownership wise? That might be a fun little thing we I fun little rabbit hole I send us down at one point when we have shows like this where we have very maybe in the off season, maybe yes. in the off season when we're dying for content, we could. There's a I'm trying to remember the the guy's name. I follow him on Twitter. He's married to Yao Auerbach. Uh, his last name is West. I can't remember his first name. Anyway. He's doing a thing for NBC that's basically like, what, what, what if, like, what happens if this thing happened? Like, they did Man. one where, what if Gerard doesn't slip, uh, and and then Liverpool win win the league? What, how, how does that affect the rest of? Yeah, and, so we could, we could do like, what if we move to St. Louis? Yeah, what and, we could do that. SB Nation also does like uh does like those what if things too as well, like if it's like what if then something like that. So it was, it's kind of cool too to to reimagine alternate history with um. With sorry, I would be interesting now if they got the stadium like right off the bat. Like if DC had just built the stadium that they built, like would they become like a powerhouse like they are today? Fun little, fun little stories. Um, I think that's. Do all. we want to talk about? Do we want to talk about a uh, pitch pass? Yeah, let's let's, let's go into that because that that might get some people to actually to get involved. Um, if you haven't heard, uh, John, I'll, I'll let you talk a little bit about what what was on pitch pass. You're asking me? Yes, I'm asking you. So. To talk. So, so Sebi Salazar was on uh, was on Roach's podcast this last week, uh, following the previous week where he had Paolo on to talk about the things that he was mad about, and Greg was uh, Greg was extremely mad about a lot of things. He was mad about the stadium not being completed. He was mad. He really would like to sell everyone. <laughs> he is very much all about that selling life. He was like, "We should sell Paul. We should sell Junior. We should sell Bill. We should sell everybody. Let's just sell everybody." Uh, I'm not I'm not about that, Greg. I'm gonna I'm gonna par- depart with you there as a fan. I don't really care about our our pockets. I care about who we're watching. Uh, that's my personal take. That's, it's very. Uh, you're an Arsenal fan, right, Ted? I'm a Liverpool, Liverpool fan. fan. Liverpool. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, Arsenal fans are really big about uh, about like you know how much what how positive are they in in the books? Like we we sold all these players and we're positive. Although this year they're extremely not and can't even make any transfers. Uh, they were having to do a whole bunch of weird stuff in accounting. Uh, but anyway, that aside. So this week he had on Sebi Salazar who you will know from uh, the Capital Soccer Show. Longtime DC United fans will remember one of the uh, one of the first uh, podcasts. It was a team-sponsored podcast, but a good one. 
yeah. that everyone liked. <laughs> uh, yeah. So there was that. Uh, he was he's done that. He worked for the team for a while. He was on CSN Washington. He was in CSN Houston. Now he works at ESPN. You will probably remember him recently from last year saying uh, that Wayne Rooney was a horrible signing and DC United shouldn't have done it. Uh, so put, take, put that to the side. I think he was intentionally being a bit of a hot take artist there, and it worked really, yeah. really well. People heard about him. But anyway, they, they talked about the show. They talked about, you know, he talked about what his feelings are for DC United. And he talked about how he used to be, he, he and his dad had season tickets from 96. Even when he didn't live in the city anymore, they always kept them. Uh, there was a period where they stopped. They restarted back in 2010. Uh, and he talked about the, the experiences he's had with the team and how so much of the connection that he's had with them has been sh- broken and shattered. Uh Put to the side that he was a former employee, so there's you have to you have to take a little bit of a grain of salt with with yeah. his rage. I think that if you ask me about my former employers, you should take a grain of salt what I have to say about them. <laughs> uh, but he he talked about the fact that uh, when he's on ESPN, he talks about the team, and then uh, he gets yelled at like it in per, like directly like they will call him his ticket rep maybe or front office staff will be like I don't think that's appropriate and they'll mess with him and he's like this isn't great. And then he talked about all the f- people that he knew are all gone and they fired all the soccer people. We, again, I don't, I don't know. Some of you probably are maybe not, maybe have not been fans a uh, super long time, but there has been, you know, from 2010, 2009 to now, uh, there's been a complete wholesale front office turnover in the ticket sales department, in marketing, uh, in the front office, except for maybe the GM. There's, there's been a lot of moves there. And for the most part, the moves that have been the, the changes that have been made, they've been they brought in people who are not necessarily from the area, not necessarily soccer people, um, but they, they've done the best they could do. Uh, the difference you see, though, is the way that the team treats its long term fans, the way that the team up, you know, there have been a number of occasions where the team doesn't understand the role of the supporters, doesn't understand the importance and the relationship people had to the team and that it's not just like being a Redskins fan or being a Nationals fan. Uh, these people are different. The relationship is different. Uh, and for them, it was just a normal sports business calculation. You didn't think about it that way. So he's basically talking about how this is not his DC United anymore. Uh, he doesn't feel the same way when Ben goes, when Dave goes, uh, we talked about before his ties to that team will be gone. They've changed the, they've changed the logo. They've changed the stadium for, I mean, for mostly better, but some worse uh, based on the name of our podcast. You'll know we have a soft spot for it. Um, but he just doesn't feel the same connection to it anymore. And at that point, what is the point in still engaging? Like you're, you're, it's a nostalgia play for you at that point. You're, you're having tickets, not because of the team who they are now, but what they meant to you in the past. And they're not going to ever be that team again. Early, early days, DC United is an entirely different animal than MLS teams in general, but DC United specifically now it's much more of a business or much more customers it's a different it's a different paradigm and he talked about it. he's like that's business that's how capitalism works you gotta you gotta extract your revenue for your investors or for your owners that's fine but it, he said I, I i agree with him this he's like i'm sentimental i am i am i am an idealist about this and i mourn for what has been lost the team that isn't anymore and the way that it doesn't fit in the community the way it used to anymore so I don't feel the same way I do anymore. Do you want to talk? So you can t- chime in on that, but also talk about what the news he broke about the academy. Yeah. So I I came into that podcast. I've been, you know, the Emil Assad signing happened. 
I had very a rosy picture, you know, the, the, I guess the, the shock of not having Wayne Rooney out there on the field and everything like that. And boy, did Sebi just kind of just bring me down. It was like, Oh, like I just felt really like something. I just felt really down about the team because a lot of what he's saying was really true. I mean, there's you walk around the stadium, you know, there's no history in the stadium. You know, they don't have the banners. They don't have anything that would symbolize except, you know, a display of the trophies in the shop and in the room. And even then it's 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 very much hidden. It's not out there. And, and there's so much they could do there to sort of make to make things better. The connection to the club. It's really the badge has changed. It, it's It's really a different team than it was. Um, all those, all those years ago. And, and like, even like, I'm just thinking like the opening, like the, Oh, you could do so much with the history of the club and everything like that. Like when you have the opening video that they have in the flow sports and for the, and for the TV, like there's so much you could do there. I think that would be really cool, but you know, that's neither here nor there, but he's right about a lot of things. He's right that, you know, things are very different. You know, I will say I'm seeing some signs that things are getting better. Um, The sideline reporter they have now, she speaks Spanish and is actually able to interview uh, Lucho Acosta in Spanish, which is fantastic, uh, and do interviews with a lot of these other Spanish players. So I'm, I'm glad they've made that move. I think they hired a new social media person. Um, yep, from uh, the Panthers. Yeah, from Carolina Panthers. Yeah, and and sounds like she's at least open to learning about how things are run, and she and she's doing a really good job um, from what I've seen in in the Twitter feed. But you're right; it's still it's still kind of you know. I think she posted like I saw a tweet she posted where she like was like collapsing on the bed, like one of those memes of like collapsing on the bed, like trying to learn about soccer because it's very much a different language from football and everything like that. So, but it seems like she's really raring to go and it's cool that we're hiring somebody, I guess, away from the NFL. I guess that's a positive thing to hear because one thing Roach said on the podcast was like, you know, it doesn't matter because, you know, all these these people we hire are just going to leave. So, it seems positive to me that they're bringing in somebody from a big a big thing like the NFL. Um so I, I look at that, you know, and, and, and but I think about all things like, we, of course, the news he broke was that the academy, they're getting rid of the U12 and U13 academy. And then, you know, I, I think I read on Reddit one day, someone was like, oh, you know, I used to I used to really be into the club and go to games, but now I can't watch them on TV. So I, I find it really hard to get really into the club because I'm not going to, you know, I'm a casual fan. I'm not going to pay the flow sports contract. And, you know, I'm not going to go to games because I, I can't really watch them. So I'm not really following them like I used to. And, you know, looking at the TV schedule to see when they're going to be on TV and, and actively watching them. And that part is like is really sad, and especially when you talked about the flow sports deal, just it being a short term move, which it was. It was a short term move, and it really has killed a lot of momentum with with the fans about about exposure. And he talked about you know what 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 CSN was offering, and you know the exposure they were going to offer the team and the club. And, you know, I'm sure he's probably a little bit hurt because maybe he thought, you know, I think he was at CSN Washington before moving to ESPN. And maybe he thought, you know, maybe he would get more access uh, to come back to CSN Washington. So, I mean, that could be another thing, too. I'm sure he loves he loved his time at, at CSN Washington. Um, but it's 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 really sad, I guess, in that regard about how much the Flow Sports deal has really hurt them. I mean, the diehards like me, I'm I'm. It's a question of you know. I think they were asking you know, are are you going to? Re- Everybody's asking whether they're going to renew Flow Sports next year. I'm going to renew it because I, I pretty much have to. I guess I could explore other <laughs> options, but you know, I I like to watch on my Apple TV, and you know, as long as I can still get it at the seventy dollar rate, which I, that's another question I'm going to have when that comes around. Um, 
you know, as long as I can still get it at that rate, I'm probably going to renew. And that's because I still like this club. I host a podcast about this club, but I can understand a lot of people feeling upset and feeling like the club is almost kind of, um, you know, aban- uh, abandoned them for sort of short term gains. And, you know, it's obviously fi- it's it's a financial the financials. You know, I'm not looking at their their books. And that's what Pablo Mauro would say. He was kind of like, look, I, I don't run their books. I don't do anything about that. Uh, anyway, so we've got a caller. Oh, we do have a caller. Yes, bring him in. Grant, bring in the show. We always get people calling in when we talk about, like, flow sports. It's just like, it's like the, the calling sign to get people to call in. Cause people it get is really like fired. honey. It's like honey to bees. Yes, it's like honey to bees. So go ahead, add him into the show. But uh, while, while we wait on that, but uh, I guess I'll just kind of finish my thought. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's just... Uh, call back, Grant. Call back, Grant. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> We're, we're, we're dealing with new technology, um, trying to figure it out. So, of course, we get our first caller in, and then it doesn't quite work. But um, I don't know. I, like, what do you you kind of gave a summary, I guess. Do you have similar thoughts, I guess, about what he said and, and everything? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, feel, I feel identical, to be honest with you. I, I, I talked uh, with one of our listeners, I think, named John at the, at the Meet the Team Day. I, I'm not going to not go to these games if I can help it. I'm not going to not pay to see this team. This team could have I have a illogical level commitment and love for this team. It's not going to go away. It just isn't. I mean, I, I have my fandom and love for teams and other sports have waned and waxed over the years. Uh, DC has remained constant for almost 12 years. This is just the way it is. So that's the that's the difference for me is that uh, it's not just nostalgia for me. Like I, I'm I'm one of the I'm a fan that can't can't quit this team. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the perfect consumer for them because they're just going to keep getting my money for as long as they exist, uh, and that makes me not you know super helpful for any sort of boycotts or making a difference uh, on changing the way the team operates. I'll complain. I'll make podcasts. Mm-hmm or I complain about it to, to an audience of some people that want to listen to it, but uh, I'm just going to keep, I'm just going to keep doing it. And I, but I understand his, I completely 100% understand his idea. to just say, I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm, I paid my call that his tax, his soccer tax. He was going to keep paying for that season ticket because he needed to be counted. He needed to have a voice and say that this market can support soccer soccer fans and and i mean we're the number one market for premier league games we're you know the the fans are here and uh and i but i understand him saying i'm gonna i'm gonna go elsewhere i'm gonna give my ticket to the spirit or college soccer or whatever it is i totally 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 legitimate and he makes great points i just i just i'm gonna operate in a different way yeah yeah and it's you know and i'm gonna say i mean i'm not gonna buy season tickets but i'm still going to Go to games, care about the team, you know, follow the team, do all those things, and be critical about the team when I feel they, there's a reason to be critical. And and I, some of the moves they made have been really puzzling. I think they are doing a lot to sort of try to bring to fix a lot of the problems. I think there were there were people in that front office when the stadium was opening that you're right didn't understand soccer. I think they've gotten people in there now who at least you know, understand a little bit. This is a little bit different. There seems like they're trying to teach people that things are a little different. And I think we have Grant on the phone now, so I'm going to go ahead and let it come in. Hello, this is uh, RFQ Refugees. How can we help you? Hey, this is Grant. Um, I'm calling in. I'm a relatively new fan and, and, you know, newer listener to the podcast in the last year and a half or so. And 
I guess, you know, outside of the flow sport deal, which I think is a disaster, and I think ownership recognizes that. I, I just get your opinion on whether you think they're actually listening to the fan base and, and making improvements, because I, I kind of feel like they are, and I'm not sure that they're getting credit for it from from Sebi or, or from, you know, on Pitch Pass, obviously we're getting a lot of negativity. Um, they lose Rooney, but they sign Kamara, they sign Assad. So I think you know, I'm very excited for 2020 and beyond, but I'm not sure that I'm hearing a lot of that enthusiasm being carried over by a lot of other folks. You know, I've, I've heard kind of the same things you have, um, Grant. Um, I've heard, you know, from people high up in, in, in supporters groups and things like that. I've talked with them and they're like, no, I mean, you, you got to let, you know, you got to give this some time. I mean, the the previous ownership did a lot to hurt the relationship with the with the fans, and there's been a lot of effort to do that to to sort of re, to to rekindle that and bring those people back in. And they're going to need to because they don't have the flashy superstar. Um, they got to bring those people back uh, for sure. So, uh, John, did you have any anything you wanted to say on that? Yeah, I think I think Grant, I think your call is interesting because the. It's important to realize that the fan base is not a monolith about this. If you look at Twitter or Reddit, there's unanimous negativity about the direction of the team, about the future, about the choices they've made. And and you know, you're you're a relatively new fan. Maybe that you've you've not gotten burnt out yet, which is good. You've still got the hope in you. You've still got the you've still got the you know, you're not dead inside all the way. That's good. We need people that aren't dead inside. Um but yeah, I, I think it's important to realize that people are, are are viewing the moves differently and that there's no right or wrong about this. Uh, I think that you're right. We're losing Rooney. They didn't want to lose Rooney. They didn't plan to lose Rooney, but they're making moves to try to address those problems. And Kamara's already scoring goals. And that's really the most important thing. I, I care more about performance in the field than than draw at, at the gates. And if, if we lose out on those people... Uh, I totally understand um, that that's a problem in the long term, but I'm most concerned about how the, how the play is in the field. Oh, do you are you a Flow Sports subscriber, Grant? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm 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 all in. I've got Flow. I've got season tickets, and you know what, what I'd say is I think the, the biggest thing with Flow for me is um, you know I have it, but I've brought a lot of new potential fans to DC United games, and they love the game day experience. They love Audi Field. They love the energy of it, but then. You know, when you try to talk to them about games that are on the road, they're just they're not interested in watching because they're not going to subscribe a casual fans. So I think this is where right. the, the ownership is. That was a really bad decision on their part, just because you're going to lose all of these people. Um, you know, the hope is that eventually you get out of that and maybe everything's on ESPN Plus or whatever it is. But uh, I think in the short term, that really hinders them more than any of the other decisions they've made, because it se- does seem like they, they want to make changes. And I hope they put in safe standing for the supporters. Um, they've made some changes, you know, even meet the team day, right? You know, things like this, the little things that I, I think go a long way. They're bringing the, they brought the trophy out. They're doing these community outreach efforts. I think flow is a big problem with that said, you know, I do think that from a new fan's perspective, you know, I, I hear a lot of uh, negativity about a team that's, potentially in line to host a playoff game and obviously we'll see what happens here but you know i'm excited about this season i'm excited about next year i'm excited about the future of it and and i just you know i get that maybe i i'm not burnt out yet but um you know I, i'm excited and and you know i think it's the best game day experience in dc you know this i have Mavs season tickets i've had wizard season tickets for me it's it's kind of really exciting to be part of this and, and this new stadium and all of this. Um, but maybe I'll be burnt out by like next year this time. 
Grant, you've got to keep calling in, buddy, because your positivity is feel. Uh, you're you're filling me with joy. You really are. Uh, but I I will say as a as a as a devil's advocate slightly. So I think what the the reason the people are burnt the the burnout people are a bit more pessimistic. It, you were talking about sort of the meet the team day, the the um, the community outreach, the things they're doing. They do, they used to do a lot more of that mm-hmm. uh, back when they were in RFK. Like they, you know, I've not been in as long as Ted. I've only been in since two thousand seven. Um, but the the team was sort of on a on a completely different spectrum for how engaged they were in the community than any other sports team. The way they treated their fans were it was not a business like relationship at all. You really did feel like you were like I felt I felt much more of a family atmosphere. It did not feel as corporate because of the the stadium it was in. So that's I think from my perspective, that's where I still feel I'm still left a little bit cold with the things they do. They're doing great things, and I appreciate them. But there's no way they can ever live up to their prior standard just because the world has changed and MLS has changed and you know it's a different it's a different team. Yeah, they they brought I think they brought an MLS Cup trophy and the US Open Cup trophy down to Richmond, like a two hour drive. So that there was a lot of that great outreach, um, and it's it has eroded. So I, I hear about those some of those community events. I hope they keep doing it. Um, I've been supporting this team 15 years on. I'm still positive about the future. I'm the eternal optimist and even though it kills me when I watch games. Um, but that's just kind of who I am. So it is possible, Grant. That's what I'm saying. It is very possible. All right. Yeah, I appreciate the, taking my call, guys. Absolutely, Grant. Thanks for calling, Thanks Grant. Thanks for calling, man. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, that's good. Ooh. That 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 made me feel good. I feel really good after that call. <laughs> yeah. It is a, it is a, it's a nice little change of pace. I think that they're, you know, we're – or you're a longer timer. I'm a medium long time person, and and you do get a little burnout. You I do think get a we, little. We have another jaded. call, so I'm gonna we're gonna go get ahead. it. Bunch of chewy. Welcome to RFQ Refugees. How can we help you? Uh, hey, so it's Gregory Couch. Hey, is this John Ted? Yep. What's up, man? What's on your mind? So can we talk about these 8 p.m. start times and stuff? Because I posted this in the comments. I don't know if you saw it, but MLS is almost 25 years old and they were right about the time when people who grew up going to these DC United games are going to start taking their kids to DC United games but the problem is with these 8 p.m. start times and like what six seven games starting on weeknights that are on weeknights this year it's just harder and harder for people to take their kids to the game unless you're like single have no kids it's hard right. to keep getting to these games and then their kids aren't going to get into D.C. United. And so when they're older, when they're adults and have their own money and their own families, they're not going to support the team. So this is going to hurt the team probably for decades to come. And yeah, I think that's really a really good point. I, I think about that a lot. I think about when I have kids and I want to have, when I'm thinking about my season tickets, like the the, the only games I'm going to be able to go to are the Sunday afternoon games. I live yeah. I live an hour plus away. Week a weeknight game with a kid is impossible. Clearly, yeah. Uh, from as far as I live, and a Saturday night one will still be a little bit challenging. And that's just, I mean, everyone's got different. Everyone's got different, you know, needs. And if you live in the city, I mean, a weeknight even game if is they fine, played the Saturday night but, game at seven p.m. instead of eight, that would be a lot yeah, easier. Yeah, it would make a big difference. You're absolutely right. Yeah, I think that's a good point. That it's not a very, it's not a very family friendly move. It's all about TV and. For better or for worse, no one watches on TV anyway. So maybe, maybe don't maybe don't make uh, the you know life worse for the fans based on uh, the the like, number of people who watch it. Why did this even happen? How why did this even happen though? It's, how come is it, how come we can predict the exact second there will be a solar eclipse 
5,000 years in the future if we can't predict where the sun will be for a soccer game this season. Why? It's some of it's that. Of some of it's that. It's also the the window. The national TV window at eight o'clock is a little bit better because it it opens up the the center of the the center of the country and people coming home from work on the West Coast. Yeah. So that it, a lot of it is about the sun. Most of these games aren't on national TV though. We've had a, we've had quite a few this year. Yeah, we, we had about eight or we've had about eight or nine games I think on on national TV this year. We got about yeah we got about thirteen. Most Great. of which are on Sunday nights at seven o'clock, which is also not good because it's a weeknight sort of, but. Not at eight o'clock. I mean, most of most of the nationally televised games are at seven or seven thirty. There, I don't think many of them were at the one today. Were all on flow sports. I mean, Sunday night games aren't very family friendly either. But that's true. That's true. That's another that's, issue. That's true, Greg. We actually we have someone waiting on the phone line right now, so I'm gonna have to let you go. But th- thank you so much for giving your calls and, and your thoughts. It is a concern. It is a it is a thing of concern that yes. I am that I am focused on. Yes. Honestly. <laughs> thank you all right all right well hey we're getting we're getting calls in and it's like at the last minute maybe we should start our show at like 8 30 or like nine o'clock start doing this by the way i think people are putting kids to bed or eating dinner <laughs> what's that yeah but i mean i think i think rick 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 which is a good point i mean the the eight o'clock start times a lot of that has to do with the sun a lot of that has to do with the way the game is shot you know i think also my uh one of my friends has had his seat has had to move um, had to move because of the fact that they have to put the cameras in there because of the sun. So they have to shoot it at from a different angle and and uh, and everything like that. Um, so uh, apparently Skype has crashed. Oh man, we're having all kinds of of wonderful issues right now. Uh, call back in, Eric. Yeah, call back in, Eric. Um, we're gonna get. You know what we should do is we should get like uh, we should get landlines and have like a switchboard operator behind you plugging like pulling cables in and out. <laughs> Or at the very worst, just like hold the phone up to the microphone on a speakerphone, and we'll adjust it that way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, that was a plan B. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I think that the the issue right now with the team, obviously, is the sun. I mean, that's something they knew about. You know, I, part of me is like, you know, as kind of well, can't you just rotate the stadium so the TV faces away from the sun, and then it doesn't matter? Like, I mean, that just seemed like such a silly thing. I feel like there's some way you could have worked around it. Again, I'm not an engineer. I'm not somebody. There might have been some other unforeseen complication. You couldn't. They, the way that the, the the orientation that stadium is is the only configuration that the stadium length and width wise would have would have fit. Not even if so you just like just, flip it, like just reverse it. So no. The deep, wow. Okay. All right. Because of the is the easements on that side, so they wouldn't be able to have the big stand. I, I, this is the one area that I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt on. Yeah. Like they would not have intentionally done the dumb thing if they could have avoided it, particularly with because they knew that this was going to happen. Yeah. And, and they. The, the, Go ahead. I was just saying. I mean, they, they've talked about ways to fix it, but there's like they literally said there's nothing we can there's nothing we can really do with the way the sun is. I mean, we could build, I guess, a roof that in cape maybe goes over the top, but even then, I'm not sure that's really gonna that's not really gonna He's, work very well. He said they'd have to contact NASA. Yeah, the guy. He was like, <laughs> we have to build a structure that defies physics. So yeah. basically. Wear sunglasses. Yeah, Taylor Twelman. It's it's going to be the way the way it's going to be. I mean, they're they're going to hopefully come up with some ways to, to make it a little better to make it fixer. We have our caller back in. I'm going to go ahead. I think it's Eric is going to be on the line. Welcome to RFK Refugees. How can we help you? Hi, I'm Eric. Um, I uh, just uh, uh, we've been handling some technical difficulties on the call inside. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yep. Sorry about that. Uh, about and that. <laughs> that's okay. Um, I uh, have not been a supporter for super uh, for a super long time. I kind of got interested in the team uh, mildly back in 2009 
And I went to my first playoff game in 2015 after I moved back up here after college and uh, like fell in love. Right. And I was like, man, I'm going to go stand with the supporters dudes and did that. And now I kind of, I, I'm not affiliated with any one group. I would consider myself, I like to sing a lot. So I yell at people and make them sing and we have a good time generally. And uh, here's where uh, I, I would like to get your guys' opinions. Um, the, the class of characters that has been coming into uh, the, 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 the stands in general um, in the supporter section uh, has, like the casual fans, sometimes met the soccer culture with just vitriol and anger. And, you know, I, I, every game there's at least one person who says, hey, this is, this is my seat. This is not general admission. you got to move there. And, yeah. uh, and then, but one thing I do want to say that has gotten a lot better is security now, like, knows what's going on and has everyone's back when it comes to that. So they're just like, I'm sorry, bro. Like, this is general admission. <laughs> um, and I am super proud of the team for putting up, like, the, I don't know if anyone's seen them, but they have little signs outside the entrances to the support, both the entrances to the supporter section that say, uh, this is general admission, people will be standing, beer will be thrown, there will be smoke, you're probably going to have your view obstructed by a flag at one point or another, and I really do appreciate that, because I remember last season, this problem was, like, compounded 100 times worse, yeah. um, with all the new fans coming to the stadium, and the Rooney, uh, I don't want to call them bandwagoners, but, you know, it's, it's kind of what they are, um, and so that just... I'm, I'm, in a, I'm in a strange place. A lot of the... Because I'm not affiliated, I feel like I can talk about, like, how the ultras and and, and and La Barra Brava are just a lot a lot of negative energy energy on game day, mm-hmm. um, and it's I don't know. It's, I used to have a lot of fun going to these games, and, and it, it's my my season ticket rep called me and he was like, "Hey man, you want to renew?" And I had to be like, "I don't know, do I?" <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and that's where the, I was the... at, and it was like right after a giant loss, and I was like, "All right, man, maybe maybe read the room, my bro." Bad, bad um, timing on that for sure. They should have waited till after the three nothing victory for Montreal. I, I don't. I think that that seems like a supporter ticket like one hundred and one. Like don't call like, after hit the our phones, <laughs> guys. We want a game. Everybody, right? all hands on deck. It was like call the, your call your call your ticket oh. people. We see time. Yeah, it was the day so, after. Yeah, um, so I would. But say, I do want to say, would, like in general. Uh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I just want to say, like, in general, like, the supporters section experience has been awesome. RFK was just, like, amazing. It was, it was like, Mad Max Fury Road. It was, like, there were no rules. People could die. Concrete yep. could fall. We could <laughs> flood. It was amazing. Um, you know, and, and, and now it's a, little, it's a little more tame, a little more family-friendly. Uh, God, who, whoever said stay standing earlier, that was I, 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 every single game I come back from with my, my, my shins are bloody. It sounds yeah. really gross. Um, but it's just because like you're standing there and if you're, you're like leaning up against the, the, the row in front of you, cause it's so packed in that like your shins are just rubbing the back of the, uh, of the bench in front of you. <laughs> so if you start jumping, like you're going to get this horrible burn, like on your shins. And I have like permanent marks now. <laughs> Um, but yeah, safe standing is definitely needed. But in general, this season, I think things have gotten better between the stadium staff and understanding what it means to host a soccer match. Anyway, that was just how I'm feeling about that. 
Yeah, and I, I, I will agree with you. I, I mean, that's always been a problem. Even when they were at RFK, I remember there were times people would sit in the supporter section. And I think one guy was like, if everybody could just sit down or they could stop waving the flag, we could watch the game. And it's kind of like, you know, everybody kind of looked at him like, dude, this isn't what, you know, it's not what this is about. You're um, in the wrong section. You're in the wrong sir. section. And even even at DC, I, I, I agree with you about the safe standing. That that needs to change. And I think the team wanted to do that. But the city was like, no, we don't want to institute this because we want, you know, put bench seating in there if you want, if you want like cheaper seating. We don't want to, we don't, this, this safe standing is confusing to us. We don't want that in there. So apparently they finally got the city. I think there are a couple of articles in the post about it and they finally got the city to agree. Okay. We'll put in the safe standing. So, um, I'd say stay tuned on that. I think they're, I think that's the one thing they've said. They've been very concrete about that. They're, they're looking to implement either next year or very soon after. Um, so I, I would, I would hope that that is high on their priority list because that just needs to happen. There needs to be a safer way for those, for those fans to interact because I mean, there's going to be, I think they're going to get away with it this year, but I mean, eventually I think there's going to be some sort of event that's going to happen where someone's going to get injured and have to be, taken out on a stretcher um, because they fell or something happened. So hopefully that's something that they fix uh, relatively quickly. Cause that's an easy fix. You can, you can do that pretty easily. So Eric, I'm, I'm glad you brought up the, the, the joy and chaos that was the RFK yes. uh, supporter <laughs> section that I, I've talked about that a number of times on this podcast. Like there, the, the reason I love and miss RFK is because of the fact that it was a hovel and it was falling down there were no rules. It was it was anarchy. It was it was like intentional anarchy and chaos, and it felt so different than every other thing that you could go to and pay to go see, as you know, as you were saying. And Audi Field just feels like another sport. I mean, it's better. It's still the best. It's still the best experience in town, by bar bar none, by every other sports franchise. But it doesn't feel the same way. Like it's been a theme for this show. We're talking about how, you know. The, the 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 experience has evolved through time it will never feel the way it did then because the stakes were different and the rules were different and the 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 the, the venue was the fans they owned it they weren't they weren't spending any money on trying to make a cool experience for the fan it was just like here is a place go do what you want in it don't kill anyone please <laughs> uh and then otherwise other than that you can do whatever you want so i missed that too and and uh, it's right it's right to mourn it Yes, very right to mourn it. And we're... I, I do just want to. I do just want to say I am. I am less gloomy than I was at this point last year about this because at this point last year, like it, like maybe not this point last year, but maybe maybe like uh, June last year, like <clears throat> people were. It, it felt like they were squeezing the the, the, the soul out of this team. I don't know, a soul out of supporters at least, and 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 it, it just felt like you know. It's, we we pay our money too, you know. We deserve to be heard. I don't know. Um, and like it seems, I mean, now uh, what is it? Um, uh, uh, Chris Hull is like in the stinking supporters stands every single game, almost, or uh, was. And uh, it, it, I, I I I just want to say, like, I, I do appreciate that the the stadium has made like little little gestures, like to to, to, to just make it better yeah yeah um yeah and you know ola kamara doesn't hurt anything either does he <laughs> right he's such a sweetheart scoring all those goals and just not being sad to watch we love him so, we love we him, love him. Yes. he's very uh, ted loved him first i now love him yes after yes. meeting him in person i was the one who said he was going to let it the league uh eric thanks so much for calling in man we're going to go ahead and, and let you go Thank but um please feel free to call back in again 
We 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 love you. You're, you bring an awesome energy to the podcast. Two positivity in a row. We yes. got to keep it going. <laughs> Thanks. 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 We're gonna let you go. Yeah. I mean, um, I, I think is Chris Hall still employed with the team? Is he still like I, he's you very know? he's gotten quieter. It's been a little you weird. Know? I went on his Twitter page yesterday to see. Uh, he doesn't have anything about DC United in his. You know, because that's what you do when you're a host of a DC United podcast. You just hang out and cruise <laughs> DC United uh, Twitter things to see if anybody's uh, avi has changed or bio has changed. If he had anything about DC United in his bio, it's gone now. He retweeted something about the team about uh, two or three weeks ago, I think. Uh, it's possible that he he I I don't think he was a permanent employee. I think he was sort of a consultant brought yeah. into like, you know, there was a part of him that was supervising the Wayne thing. Wayne's out the door. Who knows? Uh, I think it's possible he could he could no longer be around. I've not heard him. I've not heard him much lately. Yeah, I, I'm wondering. I'm I, my hope is is that he got maybe a uh, promotion, so to speak, and now he has um, maybe he has moved up a little bit, I guess, in the in the world. But you would think that would be in your bio if if that had happened. So um, it might mm-hmm. be that you know he was he, he was brought in for Wayne, and then he was there because he was a good positive influence on the on the team and then they were like you know what yeah, i think we're we're gonna we're gonna go some direction else or he could have gotten some other type of job that he wanted to do more so i i hope he's uh, I, eric was kind of talking like he was still involved in the team and in the stands every game i, I can't say i've been to the past few games i've really seen him i haven't really seen him all that much so i would see him every time i was there in the past yeah, and since i have season tickets i'm almost always there he used to be doing uh being a tour guide before mm-hmm. games, I've seen him doing that. I think I, I don't know. I, I think but, he may not be part of the the day of game crew. I mean, it's a good I thing wanna... that the team has hired, I guess, other people to sort of cover yeah. his many jobs because he was he was literally doing it all for the for the team um, at one point, and now they they have other people filled in those roles. That's why I'm a little bit more positive on the sort of personnel side where Sebi was kind of negative. I think and, and look, I think they have you hire more people. These people are going to come in. You're going to get some good ones that are going to come in that are actually going to do good things and, and sort of help reconnect that community with the club. Because I think the large reason things were so bad was because they didn't have the personnel to do it. So, right. Um, all right, we're going to – this is our last chance if you want to get in on the show. We had a whole bunch of people called in. The show went longer, I think, than we expected. Um, but if you want to jump on in, uh, numbers at the top, 202-905-0454. Hopefully uh, the Skype does not crash on Brian. So <laughs> – <laughs> poor Brian. Yeah, poor Brian. Poor Brian. If He's, you've if you've seen if you're old or have watched old television, I imagine him to be like uh, the the Lucy sketch where he's trying to shove all of the chocolates in his mouth and in his shirt as the that's a very old person reference. But that's <laughs> that's what you can expect with me. I am not an, a super old person, but if you were to like look at the references I make, you would assume I was 65, <laughs> 70 years old. But I'm not. That's yeah. the cool thing about me. I'm I'm diverse that way. Yeah. I was having, uh, I was having to listen on my my people at my work were talking about how they didn't know any songs from like the 2000s and that actually made me feel a little young so that was that was nice. So. As in it as in they were like too young for it or too old for it. Uh too too young too too old for it I think was what is the is the thing I got. So that that made me feel a little better cuz lately I've had people I had like a group of teenagers they were singing like Backstreet Boys songs like oh we heard it on a Burger King commercial and I'm like oh. I made me feel old. Like, yeah, they were not alive. If you want to feel more old, Claudia, the new, uh, I think her name is Claudia, the new, the new uh, sideline reporter. Mm-hmm. She's 22 years old, Ted. She's 22 and she works for the team and is the, is the face of the team. So in case you were, in case you started to feel a little bit young there for a second with those people, that'll, that'll yeah. slap you right back there. Slap uh, me right back. Thanks, John. 
Thanks, no, no problem. Right. Listen, if I got to feel old, you got to feel old. <laughs> Hi, uh, the Screaming Eagles account just joined us. Uh, welcome, welcome, folks. <laughs> I don't know who runs that. Hi, high entire supporter group. Yeah. All right. Um, I think uh, I don't think we're. I think we're going to go ahead and call it. I don't think there's really anything. Unless you have anything else you want to add to end the show, or you know, uh, Portland uh, is coming, or we're going to Portland next yes, Sunday. We are. But we we uh, don't have much to say on that. I think there's a possibility, maybe, perhaps we have a conversation with someone uh, in the run up, and maybe we'll push that to our podcast feed. But that's not guarantee. No, no promises made here. Yeah. The only promise we make to you is that we're going to be here every Monday night. Uh, yeah. Other than that, all promises are void. Yes. Yes. Sorry. We'll try. We'll try to get guests. It didn't work out this week. I had somebody I was talking to, but he, he, they unfortunately could not do it um, Monday night. So uh, this is the when we have these set in shows, we get lose a little bit of flexibility. But we're still going to try to get some of those guests out. We're going to do a better job. We did a better job of it this year. We're going to do a better job of it next year. We're just going to keep getting better. Um, we get we got better doing these these live shows too. So um, yeah. So uh, I guess that will do it. Uh, thank you all so so much for listening for tuning in, for being just a part of the show. You guys are awesome. We had great calls this week, too. That was fantastic. Uh, And we will catch you all next week. Vamos. Vamos.